Thank you. Would you let the worship team know you appreciate them one more time? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 28 and verse 19. That will be where we land in a little while. We'll, we're going to kind of jump around for a few minutes, but that's where we're going to end up today. I want you to go to Matthew 28, 19. And if you want to, you can put your thumb there and then flip over also to Acts 1-8. Those two verses are going to be where we as a faith family land today at the end of our talk. So before we dive into the Scripture, let me pray for us one more time. Father... You're the greatest of all time. Lord, you never change, you never waver, you never fail, you never back down. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience here on this planet. And God, I pray today as we, as a faith family, seek you in the Scriptures, Lord, as we acknowledge your presence here, I pray that you would do work in our hearts that we can't do for ourselves, Lord. We are convinced today that you're all-powerful, that you're all-good, that you are approachable. God, one of my favorite things about you is that you are, in fact, through the blood of the cross, approachable. And I pray today as we dig in the Scriptures that we would feel you wrap your arms around us, God, that we would acknowledge that you are good and faithful and holy. And God, I pray today that we would just, God, that our, our affections would be stirred for you. That's what I pray, that you would stir our affections in Jesus' name. Amen. And what I want to talk about today for just a little while is a Christ centered, cross-focused, gospel-saturated life. Okay? Christ-centered, cross-focused, gospel-saturated life. There are so many times that we as a church need to pause and celebrate and exalt the simplicity of the gospel. What we're going to get to see in a few minutes when um, these young men and women and, and one older man comes down to be baptized in the water, we're going to get to see the fulfillment of the gospel taking place in front of us. But today, for a few minutes, what I want to do is just rally around the idea that the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple and should be exalted. Scripture says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all my men nigh. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. Point number one, the gospel. Jesus Christ doing on our behalf what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus Christ doing on our behalf what we could never do for ourselves. And subpoint of that, point number one today, would be living a perfect life. Listen to this in 1 Peter 2.22. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Listen to 1 John 3.5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. See, if you're tracking with point number one this morning, Christ Jesus came and did something for us that we could never do in that He lived a sinless life. So if you're, thinking like, if you're anything like me, you sin, right? We fail. We make mistakes. We blow it. We screw up from time to time. So we just absolutely fumble the ball from time to time. Christ Jesus came in the flesh. Listen to what Hebrews 4.15 says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted, yet without sin. See, Christ Jesus came and, and did something that you and I could never, ever, ever do. God had to have a perfect life. He had to have a perfect sacrifice. And Scripture says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that there's none righteous. But Christ was. See, that's so simple today, but when is the last time that we exalted and just thought about the reality that Christ Jesus came and lived a life that you could never live? 
Not only did He live a perfect life, but He made payment for the sins of the world. Christ did something that we could never do. We could never, it, regardless of how much money we put in the offering plate, how many times we walked through the church doors, how many prayers that we prayed, we could have never bought the salvation of our own soul, much less the entire world. So Christ Jesus in the gospel not only lived a sinless life, absolutely perfect in your place, but He with His death on the cross paid for our sin. Check this out. 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His own sin to be the propitiation for our sin. Check out 1 Timothy 2.5.6 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony to be given at the proper time. Jesus Christ gave Himself as the ransom. See, we, we could never have done it. Like there's not enough good behavior, there's not enough church attendance, there's, there's not enough money to be spent, whatever you want to fill in the blank with, there's not enough of that to ever appease the wrath of God. But Christ Jesus came, and with His sinless life and willing death on the cross, paid for your sin. You know what that means today? That if you've placed your hope in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that means that you've been bought with a price, you've been purchased by the blood, and you are sealed until the day of redemption. You're loved today. Not only did he live a perfect life, not only did he make payment for the sin of the whole world, but Jesus Christ restored a right relationship between us and God. See, because of man's fall, because of the sin, there was this fracture between the relationship of God and man. God created man. Scripture says that the word in the Hebrew there is shalom. In the beginning, there was perfect peace. There was unity between God and man. But man, because of his sin, because he... He ate of the tree, right? I was going to say because he listened to his wife, but that might get me in trouble. Because he ate from the tree, he fell. And there was this fractured relationship. And for thousands of years, like you can see it all through the Old Testament, man is desperately reaching, right? All through the Old Testament, sacrifice after sacrifice, ritual after ritual, man is desperately reaching again for that closeness, desperately reaching in some way to restore a good relationship with God. But listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself and not holding their trespasses against them. God in Christ. You and I could have never reconciled that relationship. You and I could have never been good enough, never performed well enough. But hear me this morning. Jesus Christ came and performed perfectly. He went to the cross and absorbed the wrath of God, paid for your sin, and restored the relationship between you and God. That which was for thousands of years broken instantly through the blood of His cross was restored. He did on that day on our behalf something that we could never do for ourselves. He lived a perfect life. He made payment for our sin and He restored a right relationship between us and God. I want you to hear me say this before we move on to point number two, but it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your ability to be good. It was based fully on Christ's ability to be good, on Christ's ability to perform. And He performed all the way to the cross and rose from the grave. Amen. 
And we rest today in the simplicity of the gospel. Not in our effort or our hard work. There are some of you, listen, I know you come to church, you do everything you feel like you're supposed to do, and your life is exhausted with all of these spiritual exercises, thinking maybe if you do one more thing or pray one more prayer or teach one more Sunday school class or do something else, maybe then God will affirm you and love you. No, listen, hear me. Rest in Christ. Trust in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. That's the only way you'll ever be approved or accepted before God. It's rest. Point number two, if you're taking notes today, the gospel, not only does the gospel mean that Christ did something on our behalf that we could not do for ourselves, but point number two is the gospel means that we have in Christ a way of escape. Namely, from the grip of sin that was on our lives. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has over you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when, you are, when there is a temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, when Christ Jesus came, He made a way of escape. It's one of the most beautiful things in all the world. He's given us His Holy Spirit. And we get to, in this moment, right, when we confess our sin to God, when we give our lives to God, we escape the immediate power of sin. He begins this process called sanctification. Like, He begins to grow us in Him. We get to escape sin. We get to look at the temptations in our lives. We get to look at the things that once chained us and held us down. And we can, like, stiff-arm them, Right? Because Scripture says the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. That means that you and I have been given a power that's greater than the power of sin. Amen? It's the power of Christ. It's the power of His Spirit. And you have a way of escape from the power of sin, but also the penalty. And that ties back to what we were talking about with the payment. Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by His wounds we are healed. In Christ, we have an escape from the power of sin, but not only the power of sin, the penalty of sin. See, there, something that we forget in the sim simplicity of the gospel, but there had to be a death. And there had to be a sacrifice. See, just to paint this simple picture for you, it helps me in my own heart, my own mind. The, the wrath of God had to be appeased, and it was bearing down on every single one of us. And Christ Jesus, I mean, think about it. We were at the intersection of life, the wrath of God bearing down on us. And rather than leaving us in our sin, Christ Jesus just throws us out of the way and absorbs God's wrath on the cross. He makes a way of escape. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He made a way of escape for you from the power of sin, from its penalty, and ultimately its presence. There will be a day, praise God, when all fear, all anxiety, all worry, all materialism, all doubt, all insecurity, all lust, all of it's laid waste at the foot of the cross. 
And there will be a day where you and I, and this is what we look forward to, that Christ Jesus made a way of escape, not only instantly, not only today from the power of sin and the penalty of sin, but Christ Jesus made a, he made a way of escape that where one day when we close our eyes in this world and we breathe our last breath on this earth, we get to breathe our first breath in an eternity where there's no shame and there's no fear and there's no insecurity and there's no lust and there's no pain and there's no heartache. And I don't know about you, but that's good news this morning. It's good news. It's good news that there will one day be no presence of sin in our worship. No evidence of sin in our heart. Scripture says that the light of the Lamb will, the glory of the light of the Lamb be sufficient for that city that you and I, I have not seen, ear hath not heard what awaits us on that day when we get to see Him face to face. Guys, this is, we're just passing through. There'll be a day where we behold Him in His glory. Every chain, every struggle, every circumstance, gone. Scripture says that in that place, we'll hunger no more or thirst no more, and we won't even need the sun because the light of the Lamb of God will light the city. Which moves us to point number three for taking notes this morning. The gospel means we can center our lives on the sufficiency of Christ. See, the world tells us that enough is really never enough. Whether it's relationships or money or sex or awards or prizes or accolades or accomplishments, the world tells us that enough is never enough. But this is what the Scripture says. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. I want to read this first part one more time. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know what the Scripture is saying? He's given us all that we need. The divine power has given us everything that we need. You know what that means this morning? Can I just put it simple for you? Jesus is enough. He's given us the power. Well, TJ, what's the power? Romans 1.16 says, For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. He's given you the gospel. And the gospel is sufficient this morning. No matter what you walked in here with this morning, no matter what you're walking through today, the gospel, Jesus Christ, is enough. He's enough. No matter if you walked in here with success, or suffering with extreme confidence or doubt and fear. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 139.8. If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, or hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Do you realize this morning that Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel is sufficient? It's enough. Don't let the world trap you and make you think that, that enough is not enough. Christ Jesus is enough. And He's given you all things that you need for joy. All things that you need for peace. That's why Paul could say, hey, I know what it is to be abased. I know what it is to be, ab to be abounding. I know what it is to be rich and I know what it is to be poor. I know what it is to be imprisoned. I know what it is to be free. 
And he went on to say, but in all things I've learned to be content. Like, Paul, how are you content? Writing from a prison, how are you content? Because he had centered his life on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus alone. I love what Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Mm. I share this with our 930 crowd. Habakkuk's writing, it's the end of the book, and he says, though the fig tree does not bud and the olive branch fails, I'm going to paraphrase this for you. He said there's no, there's no cattle in the pen and there's no, there's no vegetables in the field. Like There's just there's no food. And if nothing changes... I'm going to die. That's what Habakkuk's saying. There's, there's no olives, there's no figs, there's no cattle. I can't even put down the sheep and have some lamb child. Like, we're in trouble. That's what he's saying. But you know what his next statement is? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Because God is enough. The power of the gospel this morning. Jesus Christ is enough. And the world will feed us a bill of goods and lie to us over and over and over that we need more and more and more of this world. And Jesus just says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Jesus is screaming to us this morning from his scriptures, I am enough. We trust and lean on his gospel in the brightest days and the darkest nights because we believe Romans 1.16, which you heard quoted earlier, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. The good news of God has a way of following us into every battle and through every victory. Amen. Christ is sufficient. Point number four, if you're taking notes as we move through the text, the gospel, as simple as it is, as beautiful as it is, and as sufficient as Jesus is, it means something for the believers. Once we surrender our lives to Christ, the gospel, I want you to take note of this this morning, maybe in your head or, or text it to your buddy that you're already texting anyways, post it on Facebook, whatever you want to do, maybe insta-slam it this morning or whatever. The gospel means action. And so we anchor today's sermon. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The gospel is sufficient for everything in our lives. The gospel resurrects our dead heart because we were dead in our sin. The gospel liberates us from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin. The gospel does all of those things for us. But the gospel doesn't transform us into men and women who sit and get. The gospel transforms us into women and men who go and give. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love what Wayne said a few weeks ago. He said it's not good news unless we share it. We have the greatest news that has ever touched earth. That though our sin is like scarlet, we know the one who can wash us and make us white as snow. Though we are headed in our sin before Christ to hell and eternal separation from God, we know the one who wants to liberate us and bring us back to life and give us eternal joy and rest. We have that today. We have that hope. Scripture says that we have that treasure like an earthen... We, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. We hold it. We carry it. 
Listen, every circumstance, every situation, every person that you meet primes you for an opportunity to deliver that treasure to someone else. To give that treasure away. And there's a promise that comes with the, with the going and the, the telling, the, the commission of Jesus to his disciples, telling them to go, him telling us today to go. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. Listen, there's a promise today that when we go and when we tell, we're empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only does the gospel bring us back to life, but it's the craziest thing, the most beautiful thing in the world that us, normal people, normal men and women, not just the preacher, but everybody, when we tell the gospel, when we share the gospel, God uses it to bring people to life. Do you know this one that Scripture says that you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation? You, sitting right there in that seat, you carry the greatest treasure that has ever touched earth. By the grace of God, our going because of this great gospel and our telling of this great gospel brings men and women by the power of the Holy Spirit to repentance. It's one of the coolest things in all the world. That God would use broken men and women to draw broken men and women to Himself for repentance. I want to focus in on one thing and then we're going to do something really cool together. When he said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, he didn't say go and make converts. He said go and make disciples. He wasn't looking for someone just to go and make it, get somebody to make a decision or pray a prayer. He was looking for men and women to go and multiply themselves, to link arm in arm with unbelievers and walk them through life in the gospel. Disciples, by the work of the Spirit and the telling of the gospel, get to see conversion. It's one of the great joys of the church, isn't it? We, we come Sunday after Sunday and occasionally the light comes on in someone's heart and they come to life in Christ. And we get to witness that incredible spiritual transformation. Converts profess their allegiance to Christ and they turn from their sin. As a body, we get to see men and women literally walk from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life, everlasting. And kind of as an exclamation point on that decision, on that fruit, we get to baptize. And that's what we're going to do this morning. If our candidates would go ahead and come forward. You go ahead and come on forward and stand up here in a line, if you will. Baptism, as they come, I want to share this with you, that, that baptism is a sacrament, or some might have heard it called before an ordinance. It means this, and I want you to hear this, it's an outward physical sign of an inward spiritual reality. Hear me say this phrase one more time. It is an outward physical sign of an inward spiritual reality. As every one of our candidates for baptism this morning will go under the baptism waters, it's just as Christ went into the grave. And when they come out of the water, it's this picture and sign for you and for me that they have been risen to new life in Christ Jesus. They understand and know that baptism water doesn't save them. But it gets to be a picture and a sign to the entire world that their old life is dead and their new life is secure in Christ. Are we excited this morning that we get to take part in baptizing brothers and sisters in Christ?
Amen this morning. Jaden, you ready? This is Jaden Atkinson. She's going to come this morning and... She has given her life to Christ, and she wants to profess that to the world this morning. Jaden, who, who do you place your hope and trust in? Jesus. Amen. Is that exciting for the church today to hear? This is Jace Hendricks. Come on, Jace. He's given his life to Jesus, and he wants to make that public today. Jace, who do you place your trust and hope in? Jesus. Amen. We celebrate that. Cole McDaniel, how are you this morning, buddy? Good. Cole's given his life to Christ, and he wants to make that decision public today. Who do you place your faith and trust in? Jesus. Amen. Sister Johanna Andrew, and she's going to come this morning to make her profession of faith known to the entire world. Johanna, who do you place your faith and trust in? Jesus. Amen. Cade Anders this morning coming to be baptized, profess his faith in Jesus Christ. Who do you place your faith and trust in? Jesus. Amen. Mary Alexanders, and she's placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ and wants to make that public to the world. Mary Alex, who do you place your faith and trust in? Jesus. Absolutely. Johnson, probably better known as Teej. He's placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you tell our church in the world who you placed your faith in? Yes, sir. Jesus. Amen. Amen.
This is, uh, this is Tony Malden. We kind of, we share the same name. This is my dad, and uh, he's placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and wants to make, wants to make that public to the world. Who do you place your faith and trust in? Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together one last time this morning before we end our celebration. Father God, you are the greatest of all time. God, there's none like you. There's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you. You are God alone. And you're the only one that can take dead hearts and make them beat brand new. You're the only one that can take broken lives and put them back together. You're the only one that can give spiritual rescue and healing. And this morning, God, Lord, we just, as a church, want to say thank you for letting us take part in this incredible marker in these young men and women's spiritual journey. God, thank you. You're awesome, and we love you in Jesus' name. And the church celebrated together and said amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. You're dismissed. Please, as you see the baptism candidates,